the American people will soon find out if the United States is going to war. Fires are raging across Brazil's Amazon rainforest. At the stroke of midnight, the U.S. hit China with tariffs on $34 billion worth of goods. Hurricane Dorian made landfall with wind speeds of 185 miles per hour. Multiple drones bombed Saudi Arabia's largest oil facilities today. 60,000 people have fled their homes in northeastern Syria. It's like these 500-year floods or 100-year floods. They're happening every other year. Anti-government protesters in Hong Kong have taken to the streets. The magnitude 7.1 quake was felt from Los Angeles all the way to Nevada. It is one of the worst escalations of violence on the Israel-Gaza border in years. The world seems so unstable, so insecure. Everything is changing way too fast. But there are some things that are steadfast, things that never change. God and His Word. Randy Reams is pastor of Kindred Bible Church in Nampa, Idaho. Join Pastor Randy now as he shares truths from God's unchanging Word. In Ephesians 1.20b-23, When He, God the Father, raised Him, Jesus, from the dead and seated Him at His right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion. Just make sure you get it right. And every name that is named. Pick a name. Genghis Khan. Huge empire. Alexander the Great. Massive empire. The Caesars of Rome. Though... The, you know, the sun never sets on the British Empire, the empire of Queen Victoria. I'm sorry, sorry, nothing compared to the kingdom over which this Jesus, this Savior, rules. Not only in this age, but the age to come. And he put, he, God the Father, put all things and subject under his, Jesus' feet, and gave him head over all things, even to the church which is his body, the fullness of him who fits all in all. Get a better picture of that? You can go to Revelation 19 and 16 and see the image of the, the, the government of what? Everything will be upon his shoulders. That's a heavy weight to be born with. But not only that, he will be the wonderful counselor. Okay? And, and before you... You run ahead with what you think that is. You know, today, you should get counseling for that. Or I'm seeing a counselor. All right? That kind of phrase we use. But I, I want you to understand the word wonderful we see as an adjective. It's not that in a language. It means miracle. I don't know how else to say that. The miraculous counselor. You can see it in Isaiah, the way it's the same words used in Isaiah 29 and 14. Therefore, behold, I will once again deal marvelously, there's that word, with this people. Wondrously marvelous. That's the word twice. And if you know anything about Hebrew, it's now said three times here. And the wisdom of the wise men will perish. And the discernment of the discerning men will be concealed. Chapter 25, verse 1. O Lord, you are my God. I will exalt you and I will give thanks to your name. For you have worked wonders. 
Plans formed long ago with perfect, perfect faithfulness. We see one of the things that Israel forgot to do was praise him for his wondrous deeds. What deeds? And they're described in Scripture, whether it's parting the Red Sea, delivering you from Egypt, whether they're making bitter waters, <coughs> excuse me, fresh, whether they're making manna fall from heaven. You forgot. This is a wondrous miracle God. That's the great counsel, folks. He's the wonderful, he's a miraculous counselor. You don't have to go for 25 years. As Savior, that's the greatest miracle you ever see. Somebody tells me miracles, God don't do miracles today, then he says no one gets saved. No one gives their life over to the Lord Jesus Christ because that's the greatest, that's the wonderful counsel. Is it's miraculous. It's not a human means. It's not, it's not this human void that you have in your heart and I come along and give you enough intellectual knowledge and your human void, that void in your heart is filled by knowledge. No, it's a miraculous thing. It's a miracle that God does. And you're reminded that he is the God who does miraculous things. So when you look at his promises, you go, yeah, they're sure. They're faithful. He is the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, everlasting Father. Now, if you don't, can't find a scripture on the Trinity, you should be able to remember this one. Because we know who the child is that's born. He shall also be the mighty God, the everlasting Father. Or put in the words that we read earlier, Emmanuel, God with us. John chapter 10. People tell me, well, Jesus never claimed to be God. Why do you think he was God? Well, you just need to open up the book and read it. John chapter 10. John's a, 10's a powerful chapter. I suggest you read the whole thing. But verse 30. I and the Father are one. That's Jesus speaking. And Jews picked up stones again to stone him. And Jesus answered them, I have shown you many works or wondrous good works, miracles, from the Father. For which of them are you going to stone me? And the Jews answered. So watch this. I and the Father in one. How did the Jew interpret that? It is not for any of these good works that we're going to stone you, but for blasphemy, because you, being man, make yourself out God. But I want you to note something. It says, um, <clears throat> I like that, the arrogance. This isn't the reason we want to stone you again. Again, when, when was the other time in John 8? When Jesus said to them, truly, truly, hey, pay attention. I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. I, lo I love it when they come to arrest Jesus. The temple soldiers are there. Which one of you is Jesus of Nazareth? And he says, I am. And they fall backwards and fall down under the power of that. They still execute him, but anyway. Before Abraham was, I am. So they picked up stones to throw at him. But Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. He is God Almighty. Now, we have, we, we, we have a hard time with what's called the hypostatic union. That is, Jesus is truly God and truly man. All the properties of humanness he had. All the properties and characteristics of godness he had. 
Now, people stumble because of some things that Jesus says. Now, I'm going to ask you a question. When Jesus got hungry, was that God getting hungry? No. This is why we know the Scripture communicates that he had the properties of humanness and the properties of divinity. That thing of communicating proper properties in Latin is the communicato idiomatum. Okay, it's a family. And some of you don't care about the words. Don't worry. Some people do. They want them. So don't get hung on The communication of properties. The properties of both the divine and human are communicated in Scripture. He is God in a human flesh. That is hard for us to put our mind around. But in John 14 and 9, Jesus said to him, I have been, excuse me, have I been so long with you? Let me put, you've gotten so comfortable with me, if I can say it like that. Yet you have not come to know me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Now I need to be clarified. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit is one being, three persons. Not, again, I'm not taking all that apart now on a Sunday morning. We do a lot of that stuff on Wednesday nights, and we talk about the Trinity and how that works, whether it's the ontological Trinity or the economic Trinity. Again, I know some of you don't care about those words. Other people do. Okay? He is the mighty God, the everlasting Father, God with us. And He is still that today. He is the Prince of Peace. I could say this, the history of humanity is the history of war. Just, just pick a time, start at the beginning, whether that war starts with Cain and Abel. If you've done history at all, I'm sure you have in school, you sort of get bored because it goes from World War I to World War II to the Korean War to the Vietnam War. That's just the United States. If you do Europe, my gosh. Okay, same in the East, in China and Japan and Seoul and all those other, and Korea, all those other. It's a history of war because mankind, each person is born a sinner. But not only does the world need a Savior, the world with all of its problems, you personally need a Savior. Why is that? Because you need an exchange. You need an exchange, darkness for light, oppression for freedom, turmoil for peace. We forget that the darkness is darkness from the inside. John 3, 19 through 20, before I read it, immediately some people will throw up walls because they want to make the darkness out there because I'm basically good. And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world. The people loved darkness rather than light. Because their works are evil. You want proof? Just watch people. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light. Least his works should be exposed. 
Why do we love the darkness? Because in the darkness, I can keep my secrets. I can keep my thoughts, my attitudes to myself. Even if they don't quite show up on the outside, when, when I, the light comes, it exposes it all. Light. What is that light? The Word of God. I would suggest to you, that's why most people don't read the Bible. Because it will reveal the intents of the heart. It will divide bone from marrow. It will get down to the root. And I want to keep believing I'm the good person. And that other guy's the bad guy. Especially if he's on the other's political side than I am. That other guy's the bad guy. Not me. And when I open up, I find this. No, I chose and love the darkness over the light. But. Again, I'll read from Isaiah 9 and 2. People walking in darkness have seen a great light. It doesn't say everybody. It says just some people walking in darkness have seen a great light. The light has dawned on those living in the land of darkness. John 12, 46. I have come as a light into the world so that all who believe in me will not remain in darkness. Colossians 1, 13 through 14. And he rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved son with whom, or in whom we have redemption and forgiveness of sins. I, I could say a lot, but I just like the way scripture says it. Ephesians 5, 8 and 9. For you, those who believe, those who are, are Christ's children, God's children. For you were once darkness. Notice it doesn't say you were once in darkness. You were once darkness. But now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. For the fruit of the light consists of goodness, righteousness, and truth. See, see we are the darkness without Christ. We aren't the solution to the problem. All that materialism and that division and the wickedness that's in the world, when without Christ, you are the problem. Yeah, I did say that. But he's come to bring light to those who are in darkness. He came to exchange oppression for freedom. John 8, 31 to 32. And Jesus was saying to those Jews who had believed in him, if you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Notice this, please. If you continue in my word, the word is the thing that brings the freedom. Why? Because in the word you find out your darkness and he's light. In the word you find out that salvation comes by no other name except by the name of Jesus. In verse 34, same chapter, Jesus said to them, Truly I say unto you, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. Let me put it another way. Is oppressed by it. Then he goes on to say, though, if the Son sets you free, you are free indeed. He came to deliver the oppressed and make them free. Oppressed. And what? From sin. 
I think all of us have, have at times struggled with that bondage, that chain of sin in some way. You really like to change, but you just can't seem to get past it. I know, because change only comes through the power of the Holy Spirit, through redemption in Jesus Christ. That's the only way it comes. Came to exchange war for peace. What war? Now, I'm talking about you personally need a Savior. What war? Let me read to you, and you will see the war right here in Romans 8 and 7. The mind set on the flesh is hostile toward God, is an enemy, I'll say it that way, of God. For he... For it does not subject itself to the law of God. Now watch this. It is not even able to do so. When you are in sin and you haven't been delivered and turned your life over, you can't do good. But I'm a good person. No, you don't. Because you can't do things for the glory of God because you don't care who he is. And that determines the goodness. You're not able to. James 4 and 4. Friendship with the world, is hostility toward God. And it goes on to say, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Why? Well, let me put it this way. Uh, we come up down over here to an intersection, okay? And I want to turn right, and you want to turn left. No, you can turn right with me, but you can turn left. You can't Turn left and be with me. We've got a different goal. We're heading different directions. Okay? You can't have the priorities of the world, personal happiness, and have God's heart in mind for the world. If you think the point of the whole world is to get all those problems fixed so all we can live our best life now, you're missing it because you need to be the book of Revelation. Okay, you need to first, first read Genesis, 1, 2, 3, and then read Revelation and you'll see. We are born enemies of God. But Jesus came to change that so that those who believe in him have can peace with God. Colossians 1, 19 through 20. For it was the Father's good pleasure for all the fullness of to dwell in Him. That is all of God's fullness, to dwell in Him, Jesus. And through Him, Jesus, to reconcile all things to Himself, having made peace through the blood of His cross. Through Him, I say, whether things on heaven or things on earth. You know, earth and heaven is brought into conjunction together through the cross of Jesus Christ. To bring peace, there's this fight this battle between the heavenly and the earthly, but that, that's remedied through the cross of Christ. Romans 5 and 1, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now I want you to get it. His name is Jesus. His title is his Lord and his title is Christ. His name isn't Jesus, middle name Lord, last name Christ. Those are titles. It is Jesus, Savior, Lord, Supreme Ruler, Christ, Messiah. Okay? Anointed One. This is the announcement to the shepherds, is it not? Glory to God in the highest and peace on earth among men with whom He is well pleased. 
came to bring peace even while we're on this earth with all that other stuff, with all the sin before us and the places we still stumble, but he's came to bring peace between me and God. Not between governments and God. That's, that's going to be established in the millennial reign. He'll solve that problem. But I also want to read from, to you from Philippians chapter 2. This, this Jesus, the Savior. Philippians chapter 2, starting in verse 9. This is out of one of my life verses, or sections, not just a verse. Therefore, God has exalted him and bestowed upon him the name above every name. So that, at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven, on earth, and under the earth. A way of saying everybody everywhere. Every tongue will confess, Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. This, this Jesus that was born as a baby who came and lived this life, was mocked, ridiculed, made fun of, and murdered, is Lord, sovereign ruler over all. The government is upon his shoulders. All that name will be, so that you would know that, to the glory of the Father. You can't glorify the Father unless you buy that one. You, 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 you believe that. The world needs a Savior, but the world's made up of people, individuals, who need a Savior. Because in them is the darkness. They are the enemy of God. I was the enemy of God. I was the darkness till the light was brought to me. I could do nothing. I had no light. In, can darkness have any light? No. It has to have another source. Jesus came to be that light to deliver me, not only from the wrath of God, but the bondage of my own sinfulness. Read Romans chapter 7. I want to end with talking about light from the book of Revelation. Chapter 21, verses 22 through 26. Speaking of in heaven or eternity, I saw no temple in it, for the Lord, God Almighty, and the Lamb are the temple. And the city has no need of the sun or the moon to shine on it. For the glory of the Lord God illuminates it. How did God create light without the sun? Because <laughs> God himself can illuminate it. And its lamp is the Lamb. The nations, the nations, does that mean literal countries? No, it means people from all nations, all backgrounds, all sizes, shapes, colors, educations, income levels, languages. will walk by its light, and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. In the daytime, for there will be no night there, its gates will never be closed. And they will bring the glory and the honor of the nations to it. What does that mean? Again, 
that, that, that's euphemistic, okay, of the fact that all of creation, all that has been, and this time, all of it is for the glory of God. All of it. And he is the light, and all things will be brought into that. There will be nothing hidden. No more sin, no more materialism, no more debauchery, no more division, no more lack of leadership, because he's going to lead it all. And his light will be everywhere, and it will all be for his glory. Not just so you can say I'm happy and I get to walk on streets of gold before the glory of God. Why did Jesus come? Why did the Son come as Jesus in the, as a baby? For the glory of God. Not so you could sit around and have a ham with your family or whatever it is you eat. So you could look on the face of your grandchild and watch them smile when the gift you gave them. That's not the reason for Christmas. The reason for Christmas is the world needed a Savior. And by saving those unworthy, it brings glory to God, not to men. The fact that he came here gives no glory to us. It does the opposite. The fact that he had to come should tell you this. You need a Savior. And he saves for his glory. Perhaps... I know it's hard, some of you, because you're visiting family. Some families aren't believers or whatever. But maybe you can take your family and pull aside. And this Christmas, talk of the glory of God. Talk how that relates to a baby born and laid in the feeding trough. Come on, mamas, that sounds wonderful, doesn't it? That tells you it speaks to the lowliness in which God had to condescend to save you and I. For his own glory. Let's stand. Oh, Father God, it is so hard in our humanness and our fleshliness not to get consumed in all the traditions, good ones even. Those traditions, those things we do this time of year that we call Christmas. God, I pray that you help us recognize we celebrate Christmas because we are a broken people. That without you, nothing lives in us but darkness. Without you, we are enemies to you, O God. Remind us, as we look at those little nativity scenes, wherever they are, remind us that we need a Savior. That this season would be about giving glory to you above all else. If we do that, Lord, we know this. Well, you get it in spite of us, but at least we'll be a part of it as we give glory to you. In the name that is above every name, I pray. Amen. This is Pastor Randy Reams, and I want to thank you for joining us today for Truths from God's Unchanging Word. This broadcast is a ministry outreach of Kindred Bible Church in Nampa, Idaho. And if you'd like to hear this message in its entirety or other messages, just visit kindredbible.org forward slash media. And there you can also subscribe to the podcast. If you're being ministered to by this broadcast, I'd like to ask you to consider financially supporting this ministry. Giving is easy. Just go to kindredbible.org forward slash give. There you can make a one-time gift or you can choose to become a monthly supporter. But if you prefer, you can send your gift to KBC PO Box 32, Nampa, Idaho 83653. 
Your prayers, words of encouragement, and financial support helps ensure that this broadcast will continue to be heard in your region and around the world. Again, I'd like to thank you for listening to Truths from God's Unchanging Word.